Trigger warning. This podcast discusses themes centered around emotional, physical, and sexual violence. While the stories of the survivors are meant to be inspiring and informative, listener discretion is advised. If you are struggling with any of the aforementioned issues, links to resources can be found in the show notes of today's episode. Like, how do I allow you to feel strong enough to stay out of this relationship, not feel like you have to go back? And then once I was raped, it just kind of changed. I became a rape crisis counselor literally that same year. And from that, it was all volunteer work. I would go and sit with individuals after they were assaulted while they were getting their SART kit. Like, that's when I realized how much of a gift it is to get to work with survivors and just humans. And also like what trust looks like is so different, right? Like they allowed me to sit there and hold their hand and talk to them as there is a nurse going over these wounds that are very fresh. And that was like, I was like, this is what I want to do. Hi survivors. I'm Tara Newell. And I'm Collier Landry. And this is the survivor squad podcast. Yay. Today's episode is going to be a little bit different. And can you tell them why? Uh, well, I mean, I, I guess, no, you were telling me why it's going to be a little different. We have yes. Geminica Eborn on the show. And one of the things we were talking about was our reviews for the podcast. And thank you guys so much for reviewing and giving us wonderful, glowing reviews. There are a few that were pointed out, <laughs> mostly directed at yours truly for talking <clears throat> so much as I'm doing now, right? Well, I want to give you a reason to explain why, because it's important for everyone to understand that every episode is going to be a little bit different. Yes. Every conversation with a survivor is going to be different because survivors are just different. Yes. And, you know, we don't want to put pressure on someone's trauma. We don't want them to relive that moment if they have relived it so many times. And especially if someone is doing something different now where they're really into their healing journey and they are the survivor themselves, but yes. they are helping others now yes. heal. And that is what our guest is doing. So I think a lot of times people have the expectation of, well, we don't hear their stories or we've already heard this story before. The unique thing about our platform, Tara, is that we give this opportunity for them to talk about whatever they want, right? And if they don't feel like revisiting, like not to share my story again, but if I don't want to talk about the murder of my mother for the five millionth time, I might talk about my my background in the film business. Or you might yeah. talk about you know how you loved being a, a, a dog um, a dog groomer before all of your trauma happened, right? We might want to talk about those things that really interest us because that really is what interests us. Uh, and sometimes we share those stories because they're a part of our journey. Yeah, I, no, 100%. Yeah, and I think one of the things that, that a lot of people pointed out is that I will often talk about myself a lot on the program. And I guess I <laughs> I hear what you guys are saying. And, and in a lot of the earlier episodes, you're very famous, Tara. I am not. And you obviously had Dirty John and, and a successful podcast and a show. And a lot of times when we'll have guests on the show, they know exactly who you are but they have no clue who I am unless they just happen to watch my documentary or happen to listen to my podcast. So I, for a lot of the time was explaining my story to them to say, Hey, 
uh, you know, this is who I am, by the way. <laughs> and so I would over explain and overshare. And I, so I apologize, guys. I'm trying to cut a lot of that out of the episodes. But a lot of times we have guests that are literally looking at me on screen going, and who are you? Yeah, because they're like, how are you referring to my story? How are you involved? Like, are you a survivor of what? And, you know, times I do have to explain my story as well. So we hope that you understand that and give us some grace. Also, take note that every survivor is going to be different and every conversation is going to be different. And it's important to have these conversations because without conversations, change can't happen. Yes. And, you know, I'll give you a great example. Amanda Knox. We interviewed Amanda Knox. She's coming out soon. And she knew exactly who you were. And she was like, and who <laughs> and who are you, Collier? <laughs> and I had to tell her the whole story. And then we obviously had a bond after that. She's like, oh, you've been through it. Okay, you know. You've been through the trial process, everything. I said, yeah, absolutely. But it was yeah. one of those moments. So I guess the moral of the story is we hear you guys. We read your reviews. We take to heart what you guys are saying. We we appreciate you guys, and we want to make this show better because we do the show for you guys, our audience. So Collier is going to uh, not <laughs> talk so damn much. <laughs> and, you know, sometimes we interrupt each other, but also some people have to understand is that we're on doing this, you know, not live. We do this over the Internet, so sometimes there's a lot of lag, and you'll often interrupt me and vice versa. And we try to fix that in post, but sometimes it just doesn't happen. So yes. we're really not trying to do that. There's just a There's just a delay. <laughs> it's just how it is, so... I'm the type of person to take a pause and process everything Yes. where your trauma response is to jump right in and just, you know, ask away because that's what you were trained to do and you're, well, not trained because you were a kid. No, but but sure. No, absolutely. That is a great point because I do do that. And and I'll say, Tara, why aren't you saying anything? You're like, I'm processing it. I'm taking a moment. I'm taking, you're taking a moment. I'm just like, let's get on with this. That is exactly how I got through my trauma, right? But um, yeah. anyway, our guest today is Jemanika Edborn. I hope I'm pronouncing her name right. She is a wonderful guest, but again, she didn't want to share the story. She wanted to share what she's doing now and how she's used that journey to benefit others around her. So, uh, well, let's get into it. What do you think? Yes, let's get into it. And I was like, badasses. Also, I was like, I was like, this will be fine. Thank you. Well, Lenora has said such amazing things about you and that you're such a badass yourself. And I looked you up and I just love it when people use their trauma and use that post-progressive side of that and grow in that. And so I'm like, I would love to hear more about your coaching and stuff too, because I'm honestly, I might hit you up for a session or two. We, we keep it real fun and messy over here. No, it's, and I, I can talk to like the reasons that I work the way that I do. Um, but I also, you know, it's really interesting between the three of us. When my mom was murdered in front of me, I was one. And so 
it's like the different psychological aspects of like you dealt with it he was there and I'm like I we all carry different shit at different levels oh yeah yeah and okay so Collier actually had a sister and how old was your sister at that time three three Mm -hmm. okay so it's like kind of like well like one is you know you're developing that's mommy um I would love to hear more about that if you don't mind I'm like, do y'all, how do you do your show? You tell me what to do and I can run my mouth. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we want you to, we want you to run your mouth. We'll obviously check each other out on social media. Yeah. What are we doing? Which is great. So I, I was looking through your, your stuff, but I was curious, but cool. I'm going through and it's like trauma, trauma, you know, coach, blah, blah, queer, blah, blah, trauma queen. Wrestling. Wrestling. And I'm like, <laughs> I want to hear more about this. It's always the wrestling part. People go, wait, what? It's so great, though. I'm like, she either has that just to make this, like, whole, you know, like, just do people go, huh? It's, you know, it's like, it's like when you're in a parking lot and it says 14 miles an hour. You're like, 14 miles an hour. And it's like, yeah, the reason they put that is because it makes you take notice, like, to slow down. You're like, 14 miles, is it a 15 miles an hour or 10 miles an hour? It's like a, an odd number to, like, 14 miles an hour. What? <laughs> you know what I mean? And I'm like, oh, is that the same thing? There's a speed limit in a parking lot? Yeah, I'm just using it as See, an example. Yes, okay, so you've been speeding. Thank you for telling us. <laughs> well, I try to go away. like five miles per hour. So I think I'm going under the speed limit, actually. I'm like, I don't want to hit a kid. I don't want to cause any drama. I don't want to do anything to hurt anyone. I'm going to just go very slowly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So anyways, on that note, and I can I can also uh, say that Tara doesn't doesn't always follow the speed limit, but the parking lot. <laughs> But no, in all in, in all seriousness, that's when it caught me on your profile. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. I can't wait to talk about that. We're so excited to have you today and whatnot. Would you want to just dive into it and start to tell your trauma story? I'll start with the first one. Okay. They're intertwined. The first one, um, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's why we're like joking so much about it, by the exactly. way. Like other people exactly. can't really joke about this. No. Honestly, you have to laugh to keep going sometimes. Yeah. 100%. For just being honest. Um, I always say that I am a child of trauma. And I, I always do it just because I was like, I'm going to say hard things. But I feel like people show up here knowing we're going to say hard things. Um, my, my mother was murdered in front of me when I was one years old. Um, he was my sperm donor. And we can get into him and his raggedy self. But he lured her over to the house. It was three days before Christmas, two or three days before Christmas. He said he had a Christmas gift for me. Um, they had broken up prior because he had broken her broken her nose and just other things. And she was like, you know what? I want her to have a gift. And so there's two different stories that I now know. There's a story my family told me. And then last year, I got all the police documents. Different little little change of story. So the story I was told is they got into an argument. He attacked her in the kitchen, stabbed her to death, grabbed me, fled the scene. In the documents, it says that his sister was there. They were hanging out. I guess they had been making out or whatever and then it got heated and he got upset they started arguing his sister left the house to go and get some kind of help because she just couldn't handle it from the the documentation it says that i was sitting there awake just present um and they started to argue he pushed her into a bookshelf she fell he then struck her 
in the head and then he did grab a knife and stabbed her. Um, he then picked me up and carried me out to his sister and then stole my mother's car and fled the scene. And so reading the documentation, she was still alive when the police got there. She was still alive and I was covered in her blood. And that reading that, um, you know, it's, it's kind of really wild to just know like the audacity of you murdering my mother, fleeing the scene in her car and then, you know, going on the run. So he is in prison still. I thought he was on death row. He pled insanity and they gave it to him. And so I did not know that until last year. Wow. This whole time I was like, he's got to be gone. He's out of here. And he is not. And also like when I researched him, because my family had gotten rid of anything that had to do with him. So I did not see him until my first year of undergrad. So until I was 18 years old and I looked him up, he wasn't in jail for my mother's murder. He wasn't in jail for a few people's murders. I guess the world is the world. And so he killed my mother. He killed an elderly couple. He killed a bartender. But what led him to being in prison, he killed a pimp in Vegas. And so he, he killed a pimp in Vegas over one of his girls. And he said like, well, we were fighting. I didn't know he was going to get a brain injury. Well, you're punching someone in the head and slamming their ground, slamming them into the ground. And so he went to prison and has been there the whole time. I thought he was on death row until I found out he wasn't. He has reached out to me once. It was when I first got into sex ed, so 2016, he sent a letter to my grandparents' house. And did you know they have prison clickbait? No, what's this? So he no. sent a letter, and outside the letter it says, hey, this is your dad. You have a sister. I was like, oh my God, this is prison clickbait. You want me to open this to get to the next level. And my grandmother, wow. who I call my mom, my my grandparents she handed me the letter and all she says is you don't have a sister your mother was killed before you had other siblings and I said okay so I took the letter and beforehand I texted my best friends and I said hey here's the thing they're like what would you like to do I said I'd like a crab dinner and to process they said done <laughs> um so I read the letter by myself before I got to them and the, I mean, the letter was bullshit. It goes into, Hey, I don't know if you can tell I'm not dead. And I'm like, clearly you're writing a letter. Okay. Um, I learned how to read and write in prison. Didn't care. He goes, this is where I was done. He goes, so some things happened between me and your mother. I'm sorry about that. Wow. I mean, the like, <laughs> I mean, they did. You murdered her. Correct. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then he goes on. He's like, so he tells me all this information about this girl who may or may not be my quote unquote sister, but never gives me her name. He's like, if you want to know more, write me back. I'm like. What? And fill my commissary while you're at it. <laughs> Sir, I don't, you should have Googled me. I'm not stupid. You should have looked me up. Um, and then he sent me a Christmas card that same year. And we got it the day that he killed her. Wow. I don't. Yeah. Wow. 
Yeah. And um, I just happened to be walking past my, my mom, my grandmother, she was opening the mail and it was there in the stack and she's like, not today. And I was like, what are you talking about? And I saw it and so I just took it away from what was happening. And it's, you know, it's the things that we carry within us. And it led me to this career, this work yeah. that I do partially. I went to school um, to work with domestic violence survivors and to help other people. Um, the tricky part was my third year of college, I was raped. And I'm always like, I wasn't sexually assaulted. I've been raped once, but sexually assaulted more times than I can account for. I feel you on that. Yeah, it's like a thing, right? Yeah. And I, I'm always like, people are like, well, where were you? I was at home sleeping in my bed and I woke up and this person was standing over me already naked with a condom on. Wow. I'm sorry. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things that I talk about so much now. And I'm sure both of you can relate. Like we've talked about it and people are always so like, Oh my God. And you're like, yeah, this is it's kind of just like where I've been. I don't know. What do you want me to say? Yeah. I don't, I don't know about you, but sometimes like I allow that space because I'm like, okay, they're going to have a reaction. So I have to like, you know, that I, I pause for the reaction and then I'm like, okay, I'll get back to my story. And I notice like having other survivors on the podcast that that's like kind of something they, everyone kind of does, you know? Yeah. And how does that help you like allow you to process your, um, I think I, I have gone through the conversation enough that I expect the pause. I expect the gas. I expect the clutching of the non-existent pearls that people do. And so I do allow space for that. And I do, I do realize that everyone's journey doesn't look similar to ours. Doesn't necessarily have some man attempting murder or murdering people. And so I allow that space because most people only know what it's like to watch a documentary or to see it on TV. And so I, I let it happen. And then I check in with people. I'm like, do you need a minute? Like, do you want me to continue? And of course people always be like, yeah, no, yeah. Get, tell me the rest. Cause they're intrigued. Right. But they're also like scared. They're like, oh, please tell me like, what are you dodging? It's just, it's like, <laughs> a thing. Oh my God. This is just, a, <laughs> I can just relate like a hundred percent. I mean, it's like, yeah, uh, yeah. My, my father murdered my mother. He then tried to, you know, eventually murder me for talking to the police. And it, I mean, it's just like, everybody believes it was missing. Like when I tell my story, people are just like, I'm like, you guys need a minute? Cause I I'm cool. But like, <laughs> I'm like me and my therapist it, it, have had a great time. So well, it's interesting. It's interesting, and I want to get back into your story again. But it's interesting when you're when you're saying this and you know, pearl clutching. I didn't even think about that in that context. But they are you. Uh, do you feel that when you're telling your story, that people almost need to compartmentalize it to process it? Yeah, I do. Which is, which is now that you really bring that up. Yeah, I think that they do because again, it's not their reality and they've only seen it probably through a television, right? And, yeah. and then they get into like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Like, how do I help you? And I'm like, oh, I'm 35 now. I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm here. I'm cool now. Yeah, I, got, yeah. I, worked that, <laughs> I worked that shit out when I was a kid, but thanks. <laughs> 
It's like, you know, me and my therapist, we've been through it. I've done all kinds of things. I do a 10 day silent retreat once a year, get my shit in alignment. Um, but they do have to do that. And I get it. I get it for other people. It's not their norm. And, you know, trauma changes our baseline of what our norm is. Yes. That's yeah, that's very true. Our, our sense of normalcy. I mean, Tara and I talk about this a lot. Like what is what like what is normal? Like what is the normal thing that the normal person wakes up every day and gets up, they go to work, they go to the gym, they they go to work that would you know, they they live their life. Like what is that like without having to have this residual trauma which you know, I I don't think you do. I know that I don't. I know that Tara doesn't. We don't live in our trauma, right? We're not constantly, you know, because that's why we're out and we're talking about it, right? We're not cowered in a corner somewhere, you know, yeah. or under a bridge, you know, shooting heroin or or whatever. You know, we're we are all the outliers of this, right? And I know people have pointed that out to me. They're like, if you were under a bridge shooting heroin and and, and incapacitated. Uh, people would would not only understand they would expect that like that's expected when you're you go through this and then it's just you like, know what like, i get yeah people are like i mean if you were like a murderer and you killed people like i would understand i'm like wait what wow how did we yeah. get here like they're here? like no 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 if you want to like go after men that harm people and i was like what who do you think i am so kind of like dexter Many people have been have said that they're like okay. your story's kind of similar to like Dexter. Have you seen it? And I'm like, <laughs> no, I, I've, I've got my own Dexter. journey. So I've no, I've never <laughs> seen Dexter, so I have no idea of that reference is lost. <laughs> so like Dexter is this guy that he is born a psychopath, and he is born in like blood because well that's what they say because his mom was murdered. Um, by this guy and so he's born he was spent like three days in this trailer covered in blood and Got i'm it. sorry Got i'm it. explaining this and then so this cop gets him and then he trains him to kill Dear people cop. that are killers yeah Got yeah mm-hmm. now i don't need to see the series so here we are yeah it's <laughs> back if you want to catch up this yeah. is, the, the, th- the thing is is that this uh, tara it has this this wonderful knowledge of television programs and storylines like uh, Lord of the Rings, she's caught me up on, and The Ring of Power, or whatever <laughs> this is, and um, Game of Thrones, and and then now Dexter. So the great thing is, is I don't have to spend weeks of my life glued to a screen, because I got it. Okay, cool. That's what Dexter's about. There was there seven seasons we just saved? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, Lord of the Rings, Lord of the Rings is really long. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. So anyways, Jim and Nika, uh, back to what we were just talking about, though, with it's so, so I mean, yeah, it, it's like what like what television shows are you guys watching? So, uh, so now it would be OK. There's a justification in their minds because you've been through some sort of trauma. Like how how does that compute to them or how do you think that they that computes to them? I think that most people don't understand anger and rage, right? Like anger and rage are secondary emotions and they're easier, right? Like you can get angry, you can do things because you're like, oh, I'm sad. I'm scared. 
And so I think that's what television teaches people is that this is how we should all react. We should all be so angry and we should want to take everyone down. But really, like most of us are just really fucking tired um, and just trying to navigate and feed ourselves and pay bills because, you know, it's nothing that we can forget. I don't want to inflict harm on someone else. Right. Because I also know what that feels like that and how it affects like entire families and how it affects our everyday like what unless someone was like you know trying to take me out the game that's a different conversation exactly but like i don't know it's it is interesting other people's like responses when you share what has happened to you even when i share about my rape because i'm very honest like i knew the person that raped me i saw them again after and i tell them like it's a normal traumatic thing. We see people that harm us. People go back to relationships after they are harmed because you're in such a brain space. And people go, oh, I didn't think about that. And I'm like, yeah. Like that people often go back to their abusers because of whatever. Like there is, there's a list of reasons why people do things that they do. But harming other people, I mean, I'll verbally, you know, probably make you cry if I need to, but... <laughs> I, I also I just don't feel like that is where I'm at and I've watched Orange is the New Black and I just don't think prison's for me <laughs> that show kind of does make it seem like interesting though like with all these relationships it like kind of makes it seem like a cool squad until the like that thing happened where they were all in lockdown and this is my knowledge I, it, of shows again cool <laughs> let, let me tell you something I, I probably i will i will probably put my money down on the fact that i've probably spent more time in a prison than both of you guys it's not a cool Fair. place it's not a cool Fair. place and ironically the prison where my father is still situated marion correctional mm-hmm. institution Piper Kerman teaches writing there, which is very <laughs> the irony of this. The irony is 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 not lost on me. That's for sure. Um, yeah, it. There are so many questions I have in my head right now. Shoot them at me. There are beyond. Well, I think that I think that. First of all, I'm terribly sorry about what you've gone through. Do you have, do you find in your, because you're working in the trauma field, do you find that you have sort of, and I don't know what the appropriate term would be for this, but, but memories of, of the incident happening and being covered in blood, do you have that? Because I think a lot of people think because children are so young and they're so resilient. I mean, I was resilient. I think we're all resilient, right? Mm -hmm. But sometimes somehow that resiliency can mask memories would you agree with that or no i often think i do so when i started working on my trauma i was uh, like 27 because i also didn't tell anyone i had been raped for seven years so that's when i was like i should probably figure all this out because i was rage drinking and fighting men at parties like hemming men to walls and i was like i don't know i could do that um but i wrestling. do it's wrestling that's why you're, you're into wrestling that journey is fun. But um, I do think so. I worked on my, I did spiritual before I did talk therapy because I needed to be grounded in my body. And so I did have moments like within like meditation where I actually let my body like sit of being like, being, feeling like I was able to see myself in, you know, these clothes covered in blood and just like sitting 
And so I think I have memories, but then I also question, I'm like, is this just a made up thought? I don't know. Yeah. Have you ever done EMDR therapy? I haven't. Um, I have a lot of, most of my friends are therapists because I studied marriage and family therapy and worked in mental health for 14 years. So I haven't, my friends always like, let's do it. And I'm like, you're too excited. Reel it in. Um, I know, I know how this goes. Um, but I haven't, I haven't done it at all. Okay. Cause for me, that's when memories from like three years old and stuff would come up from past traumas. And because the brain compartmentalizes the trauma and especially when you're a little girl, your brain can't handle that reality. If, especially since your mom and your dad are supposed to be your protectors and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And when you go through EMDR, it like opens everything up. And then you have like, well, if you're able to like deal with it, your brain will allow you to have those memories. I don't know if I want them. Right? Yeah. I And, and I think for me, the thing that's going through my head and Para touched upon it earlier is my sister who was adopted six months before my mother was murdered. Mm-hmm. Um, was in the room when it occurred. And I often wonder because people, I haven't spoken to her or seen her since 1991, beginning of 1991. Wow. Not my choice. Um, but I have often wondered what memories she has of that. Because mm-hmm. I also do know that growing up, her, which was ultimately our our foster parents adopted her. And I was sent to another home. I, um, they tried in a lot of ways to, even in a small town, which to me is just crazy, but they tried to remove it like, oh, nothing to see here. This didn't happen. And everyone knew it because it was such a, was one of the largest cases in Ohio history, criminal cases. And it was most certainly the largest in the town. And both not only those adopted parents, but the mother of my half-sister, they also tried to sort of shield them from what happened or that this didn't happen. And it wasn't until, at least I know with my half-sister, it wasn't until she was much older that she started learning about these things, right? Because you learn about it from school. You go to school and kids are picking on why, why mom, why are, why are they picking on me, right? But I wonder if, you know, I often wonder how much of that trauma that she may not even be aware of what happened and maybe has compartmentalized and ignored it. I'm not saying that's that's what she's done, but I've won- I've always wondered that. Yeah. Because I've been concerned about it, right? And it's like I've always tried to connect with her. I'm an open book. You can ask me anything, right? But <clears throat> I think for me, just listening to your story. And yeah, do you put those memories on yourself because that's what you've been told? Are, are you manufacturing that or do you really remember that? I think that's a really interesting thing to to consider. Um, yeah. So when you were, so you said you were 27 when you started to really work this out? Yeah. When did you get that letter from your father? What age were you? 28. Oh, okay. So right around that time. Yeah, it's because it's when I Saturn, (laughs) right? These damn planets. (laughs) Um, I um, it's when I actually had started career switching a bit and getting into sexuality education, and so I actually had was at a B 
speaking training, like learning how to be this speaker that I am today. Cause I was always so like, oh, no, no, no. not anymore. Now I just, people are talking about probably. One se- I don't believe that for one second, but okay. It's talent now everyone. Um, and that's when he sent the letter and I had never communication with him and then i was like how the fuck did he get my parents address and he told on himself he was like oh i had a lawyer do some research and they found you and then i was like fuck that guy yeah i would want to smack him in the face right i did i did and did. recently god no i, I did <laughs> but recently i found because for me and i don't know you know, how you all just keep up with like what people say. I've seen y'all been like people talking about me on TikTok and I was like, mm-hmm. but like I check every year, like it's just within me. I'm like, is he still in prison? Where is he at? And then I found that someone wrote a whole article about him. It was like a, oh, so I looked him up every year and I saw that someone had wrote like a whole article about him, about how he had been wronged. And I was pissed. Oh, how could he have been wrong? Oh, yeah. How he shouldn't be in prison. How he, you know, he, it was an accident. Not noting that he had also murdered like four other people. And so I rage tweeted. My friends always make the connection that I look like that Kermit meme typing when I get excited. (laughs) Um, And so I rage tweeted like a whole thing like to the person that wrote it. And I was like, you should probably do more information on people you're saying is so innocent. And then I talked to my therapist and she was like, do you want to open that door? Do you want to engage in this conversation? Do you want him to possibly have more access to you? And I paused and I sat with it and I was like, fuck, she's right. (laughs) So I went back and deleted it. I like that your therapist had you do that. And that's a good therapist, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh... um, but yeah, it was it was very interesting to be able to see someone else's thought without having actual information. Right. Like you're trusting this man who also got remarried or got married because I was like, you went to prison single. So you're married now. So what does this woman think about you? So wait, he got remarried in jail. Well, he got married in jail. Yeah, he's married. Okay. Like a prison, like a letter situation, you think, or? I have no idea. I tried to do a bit of research and then I got overwhelmed. And I was like, you know what? I actually don't care that much about what this man is doing with his life. Have you spoken to anyone else whose lives he's affected? Have they reached out to you knowing your story? When you're like, when did you go public with your story? I mean, obviously you're very public now. I've never named him. So, I mean, I guess if you Google and look things up, I never, I never named the, the man that killed my mother. I will always call him a sperm donor. He is not a dad or a father, at least to me. Um, and then I also never named my rapist because uh-huh. I knew he had an obsession with weapons. Well, and then I think when these people are still out there you gotta be careful with like naming them and stuff because you can be considered for slander when stuff really did happen to you and it's it's messed up because it's like wait if you speak out about what happened then you can get in trouble and they actually harmed you to your point tara it's interesting how these people Mm -hmm. will always manipulate some sort of fuckery 
and turn it around on them. And I think it's Everyone probably pleads insanity. There's that. There's also the victim narcissist. You know, they they will turn it around on them and be like, look at me, I'm the victim. I'm so I'm fucking shocked that me reading my father's letters from prison on the show, I am surprised that my father hasn't somehow done something. Because apparently, um, apparently you can watch the, <laughs> the podcast on in prison because people have. And I'm just like, what? prison TikTok is the rage. Every time I get on TikTok, I'm I end up in someone's prison cell. I'm like, this is live. Wait a minute, hold on. People are TikToking from prison for real. Y'all, how does that happen, <laughs> honey? They're doing cooking shows in prison. They're doing fashion. They're flirting with people. They're asking to put money on their books. And like, it's not like, oh, it's recorded. Like, I'm just scrolling through TikTok as you do, and they're live. It's like a live stream. It's like. What? I'm like, am I a part of a crime right now? <laughs> like, right? Are you a part of a crime? Exactly. That's crazy. Um. Okay. So <laughs> there's a lot to talk about. I just think of note. By the way, I was the last person to film Roddy Roddy Piper alive. Fun fact. I loved him. Yeah, he was great. He, he was, was a really nice. He guy. was a time. He was a wild man, but a good time. Yeah, he was. A, he was a really nice guy too. Drank Coca-Cola like it was going out of style. <laughs> well, you know, some, some of them, like the lovely Scott Hall who passed away last year, like they've had journeys. Wrestling's yeah. hard. Yeah. Puts wear and tear Especially on your body back then. The time. Yeah. Oh, boy. Um, so I have a question. Yeah. Do you do wrestling yourself? Absolutely not. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I am 35 and tired. Um, and I also don't like to do manual labor for just being honest. But no, I, I found since we're here, I found wrestling when I was nine. Okay. And what made you so intrigued to it? I literally have no idea. I can remember the exact scene. It was Stone Cold Steve Austin breaking into Brian Pillman's house. And I was like, what is this? This is wild. And my parents were so confused. They're like, why are you watching wrestling? And I was like, why not, guys? It was it was very interesting, my love of this the sport and the psychology of it. I've been having conversations with a lot of people, can't talk about it yet, but hopefully. Um, okay. Like psychologists that are working on like assisting wrestlers from all the brain trauma, just emotional trauma in general that comes with being a professional wrestler addiction mental health family relationships so yeah it's yeah. a interesting time and i was like finally we are looking at people in a whole wellness program not just like oh are you an addict yeah. are you working out like we're full systems like i went back to school so i went to school for marriage and family therapy because i thought that's the only way i could help people and while i was in the program i i think i had like four or five classes left in a bunch of hours. And I was like, I don't like this. This isn't what I want to do. And so I ended up going back to school for health psychology because everything else separates you. It's like medical is just body. Then you have psychiatry, which is your brain. But health psychology looks at us as a full system because when we have trauma happen to us, it's not like, oh, let me put this brain over here. Let's put this scars. Up. No, like it's a full system. And so how do we work with that? And so that's what I think is so fun about wrestling is it's a full system. Like you're a whole person that has to be focused on 
And it's kind of like what I get to do with my trauma work. It's like, you're a whole person. And like, I get to do cool stuff with my clients. I don't just have to like check in with someone. I'm like, you want to do some pottery and process? You want to go on a walk? You want to smoke a little bit of weed? Whatever. What are we doing? What do you need right now? Like, let's check in. And that's fun. I love this. That's very cool. Um, so were you also, were you drawn to the work that you're doing because of what you had been through? Is that what really motivated you? You said, I'm going to just really work through this from a young, like you made that decision. Yeah. Um, and it's so funny. My therapist leader, she's like, I've never met anyone like you that really works through their trauma, through their work. And she's like, it's not a bad thing. And I was like, wait, am I ruining things? She's like, no, no, no. It's just the way that you absorb information and you allow it to like sit with you. It started out with me wanting to help domestic violence survivors. Like, how do I allow you to feel strong enough to stay out of this relationship, not feel like you have to go back? And then once I was raped, it just kind of changed. I became a rape crisis counselor literally that same year. And from that, it was all volunteer work. I would go and sit with individuals after they were assaulted while they were getting their SART kit. Like that's when I realized how much of a gift it is to get to work with survivors and just humans. And also like what trust looks like is so different, right? Like they allowed me to sit there and hold their hand and talk to them as there is a nurse going over these wounds that are very fresh. And that was like, I was like, this is what I want to do. I'm like, you're going to make me cry. That's so beautiful. Like just being with that person and like being with them in their time of need. Like that's so important to have that support system in that time. Yeah. It's, it's wild. And I, anytime I'm invited, even to like podcasts, I'm like, y'all think I'm cool enough to come and just say some words, right? Like, I think that is a gift to even come, right? Like to be able to share our journeys when everyone can't like, and it shouldn't be like the hardest thing, but like, we are kind of like people that are like, I can do this. Tag me in. Yeah. Let me be 100%. that beacon of light. It's 100%. not like we chose this. None of us wanted this shit, but <laughs> oh, hard pass. No, we did hard pass. That's why. That's why I was saying it's like it's like I I I do wonder myself like what it's like to be normal, like what is it like to have a normal reaction? Regular fucked up family? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, well, or, or just forget the family thing. Just the way that you respond to certain things in everyday life, right? So I, before this, I was just home with my therapist, right? I will get upset with myself when some bullshit comes through in my life and I'm like, are you kidding me? This is what is upsetting you? Like you've, you've been through hell. You walk through hell and this is what, like now you're gonna, now you're gonna go, oh my God, what's happening? <laughs> it's, it's, it's interesting. Yeah. I mean, do you have those moments? Oh, for sure. For fucking sure. <laughs> um, I do a lot of counting. <laughs> I do a breathing. I used to be very, you know, I used to be just very reckless with my mouth and just blah, blah, just word vomit and harming me more than anybody else. It, it harmed the way like I moved through the world. It harmed the way I had relationships. It, my reactions were so big and no one could understand it. So then like the perception of who I was, was totally different. They're like, she was cool. And then she just flipped out and it's like, 
people don't understand like there are things that we catastrophize because there have been such big things. And so now like if something happens, I don't know about how you respond. Now, if something happens, I get really quiet and I'm like, Hmm, let me process this. No, no, no. I can't talk right now. Come back. Like I need to do this because if I don't one, I won't even be able to get my brain to calm down enough to be able to have words to express what it is. And two, it's not going to be helpful if I just start just chatting or just speaking at things. But I have forced myself to literally slow down and just take a breath and be like, am I mad right now? Am I frustrated? Like I do kind of like an emotional check. I have to do a check-in. And then I think, I think about this often too, is because of the work that I do, people don't think I'm allowed to have certain emotions because I should know better. Interesting. I've been talking about this this past week with my friends and I was like, Hey, cause my friends are therapists. I'm like, Hey, do you feel like you're allowed space and like emotions? They're like, fuck no, let's talk about this. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, cool. Hey. Kind of feels like that too. Like with just like emotions, but it, I, I do wonder like when people tell me like regular family struggles and I'm like, that one seems cool. That seems pretty easy. Like, here, just do this. I'm like, cool. I'm like, yeah, just have a conversation. <laughs> it seems like an easy cleanup. Everyone's everyone's alive and breathing. No one's screaming. Yeah. It's so interesting when Jiminika says sperm donor. <laughs> yeah, I think that's so accurate. And yeah, I've heard other people in that type of situation refer, refer to, well, that has had a father that has sure killed someone yeah refer to their dad as that yeah and i had um you know i had many people that refer to my father as that and i you know i get where they're coming from because i always feel like that's a defense mechanism with them uh because i don't look at it that way i mean i had you know i had 11 plus well i've had my entire life with my father who just sent me an email by the way it was just really weird but i feel like for some people that's how they that's that defines those boundaries. It's all about setting boundaries, right? Yeah. And I love how Jiminika sets hers. I just love everything that she's doing today. She has a workbook. I have a workbook coming out too. Yeah. So, you know, just really similar paths with the healing journey. However, we're so different from our coaching. So I just got to point out, if you need a coach, you should choose her or me as a coach or whoever out there because we'll put you on your journey for healing. And that is just so important now with trauma. You have to get to that point where you transition over. So Tara, did you just plug your coaching in I our did. podcast? Okay, great. And just wanted to make sure. too. <laughs> and Jiminika's too because she has great coaching and you know, I may not be for you. She might be for you. You know, she might not be for you. I might be for you. So, you know, there's a lot of different options out there. So it's important to take that step to get a coach, a therapist, just someone that you can get help with your healing journey. Yeah, absolutely. And the first thing is, is putting that one foot right in front of the other and getting on that journey. By the way, Tara, we have new merchandise in the store t-shirts like i'm wearing right now survivor squad t-shirts survivor squad tumblers coffee mugs and i think coasters as well we're gonna have a lot more stuff 
for you guys as well. So um, what do you think, Tara? I think this was a great episode. Yes, I really enjoyed it. And I can't wait to take my Tumblr to yoga. Yes, <laughs> yes. Well, until next time, Survivors, I'm Tara Newell. And I'm Collier Landry. And this is the Survivor Squad podcast. We'll see you guys. See ya. The Survivor Squad podcast is made possible by support from listeners just like you. Please subscribe via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. And please consider supporting this program by visiting our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash Survivor Squad.